Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As you can hear, I got my voice back. We got the season starting Tuesday night in Indianapolis with the Champions Classic. Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas. Check out NCAA.com. I've got the top 10 games, the power rankings, if you will, of the top 10 games in the first 10 days. And throughout the course of last week and this week, I've got conference previews of where I think these teams are going to be predicted. From one on down in each conference, Who's going to make the tournament? Who won't? Put out my first bracket for NCAA.com and March Madness. You can see and pick that apart. See if I'm right at some point. What we're going to do is probably have a monthly bracket. And then once we get into January, every other week, and then we'll we'll pick it up heading right into Selection Sunday. Uh, Our Power 36 will begin next Monday on November 12th. You can see that of Player of the Week. Team of the week, as we've had for last season, we got a 16-week run beginning this week of the regular season before we get to champ week and then, of course, into the NCAA tournament. Some big headlines I'm going to discuss later into the podcast. Gonzaga's Killian Tilly, their senior post, out for up to eight weeks, had surgery on his ankle. It's a major blow for the Zags, but they will be fine. I talked to Mark Few over the weekend. Uh, What they're losing is a rim protector and an experienced big. But they've got a lot of experience coming back. they got transfers, Brandon Clark, Geno Crandall, big, small, to complement the experienced players, Rui Hachimura, Zach Norvell, Corey Crispert, and, of course, at the point, Josh Perkins. Where it will hurt Gonzaga is potentially in seeding long-term because they got a brutal slate. They're playing at North Carolina. They're playing Tennessee and Phoenix. They got Washington. It's going to be a Pac-12, I think, champ. That game is at home, but still. They got Texas A&M. They should win that game at home. They're a rebuilding SEC team. And, of course, they're in Maui. And they got a chance, potentially, to face Duke. We'll see if that works out in terms of the bracket. They will be fine. They are still a title contender. I had them in the Final Four in my bracket. I still think they can get there. It just may affect their seeding if they lose a couple games because not having Killian Tilly. That's the biggest headline that occurred this past week. Uh, Prior to that, the week before, Jonte Porter, who was a potential SEC Player of the Year, out for the year with a knee injury. Later in this podcast, I'll be joined by Missouri head coach Conzo Martin. 
We're going to talk about that injury and how that affects the Tigers. Also, Kansas head coach Bill Self to complete our four for four. No other podcasts each week had the four coaches of the Champions Classic leading up to the Champions Classic. Tom Izzo, John Calipari, Mike Krzyzewski last week, and now Bill Self. Okay? This is the place to hear the biggest names in the game. The last four weeks, you had all four. Okay? Leading up to the Champions Classic, which I think will be an unbelievable event Tuesday night. Bill Self joining me. Conzo Martin. And later in the podcast, uh, my good friend, former colleague from ESPN, Seth Greenberg. We're going to break down the Champions Classic, the Armed Forces Classic, which I love doing for years. Uh, that's later this week between Texas and Arkansas. They're going to do it in Fort Bliss. We've done it when I was with them in Germany, in Puerto Rico, in Hawaii, in Korea, in Japan. It's a great event. This year it's stateside, Texas and Arkansas. All of that on this podcast to start the, week, the, the season which starts Tuesday night in Indianapolis with the Champions Classic. Let's get going. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Kansas Hall of Fame head coach Bill Self. Uh, we are a few days, when I'm taping this, away from the Champions Classic. This will be released the eve before the Champions Classic. So, Bill, uh, as you're prepping for what should be one of the best opening nights we've ever had in college basketball, how do you feel about this group going into the season as a preseason number one? Andy, I'm nervous. I, I, I am. I don't. I, you know, I, I don't really care about the ranking. You know, it's it's nice to be rated high. I'd rather be rated high than not be rated high. But but we all know that really doesn't mean anything at all. And 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 uh, all I know is is that you know I, I'm I'm a little nervous because our team hasn't played well. The pieces haven't fit great yet. I, I think guys are trying, but. But uh, uh, we certainly weren't weren't terrific in either exhibition game, and and uh, we know we got to play at a much higher level than than what we have, uh, you know, starting Tuesday night. And of course, you know, one thing about the Champions Classic in the past, it happened on on, on a Tuesday after the season opened on Friday, and so you kind of got to feel for your own team, but you also got to feel for others. And, and 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 now that's certainly not the case, being the opening night. I have less feel for mine. I certainly have less feel for Michigan State. So if there's a little background noise, I am taping this while I'm in an airport. But, you know, Bill, when we talked in the preseason, um, you knew that there were going to be some pieces that had to fit. But you had experienced pieces, even if they came from another school. Uh, and I'm mentioning, obviously, Diedrich Lawson, who you were extremely high on. Uh, he, he, you know, I know he put up big numbers in his first exhibition game. Uh, in terms of his fit so far, because he did play at least in practice last season, how do you think he's working out? I think he's doing great. You know, he's uh, he shot it good. He was uh he was four for four from three last night in limited minutes, and and uh, you know he's a very good passer. That's what he does best. But but I, I think he's I think he's doing well. Uh, I think Doke Doke uh, uh, is playing playing pretty well. He had a he had a nice game last night, and I think Legero Vic's been pretty consistently good for. It's just trying to get the, the other pieces to fit, the bench to fit in, and, and not lose anything when you go to the bench uh, is a little bit different. And that's because we're that that's basically with the younger guys. You know, you got you got four freshmen you're trying to fit in, and three of them will probably play a ton of minutes. So so uh, it's just been a little bit inconsistent, and guys guys aren't comfortable 
with 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 anything other than survival right now. You know, forget about a guard knowing what everybody should be doing on every possession and this and that. It's just like I got to worry about myself. And 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 so so we're probably a month away, I think, from from those guys really maturing and and developing into what I think can be considered a a, a big time back. Who has found? the voice that you need that frank mason that Devonte graham voice that you're going to need this season really unfortunately it's probably a big it's, it's probably diedrich uh I, th- I think diedrich is uh, uh has probably been our best leader verbally and legerald's quiet and then like i said the, the two guards it'd be nice if they're if they're if they're able to do that but right now that's probably one of the biggest weaknesses of our team are those guys getting outside their comfort zone and and, and being good talkers uh, uh and, and really being a great leader because you can lead by example but you've also got to have some people that are take charge guys out on the court and we got to get better at that so these are familiar names you, you said you're a little nervous but what kind of jitters do you think Diedrich will have uh, stepping onto that stage i mean he played obviously at a high level at memphis but uh, there's gonna be a lot of eyeballs on him a lot of hype it is that opening night. Uh, how do you expect that he'll handle that on Tuesday? I think he'll do well. I, I think he'll do well. But but I also think this. Uh, you know, we played our first exhibition game, and and uh, you know I went around the room and asked the freshmen if they were nervous, and they said yeah. And and uh, I went to Diedrich. I said you're not any more nervous than he, he is, and and Diedrich said. Coach, I'm real nervous. I mean, so so he, 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 there'll be some nerves. I just hope I just hope some good things happen early. But one thing about nerves, if you defend and rebound, you can still stay in any game. And, and so hopefully that's something that we will really be focused on to do. And of the freshmen that you just mentioned, three that are going to play a lot. Um, you know, who are you hoping will? I, I wouldn't say a breakthrough on Tuesday night, but will you know will will be able to feel very comfortable on Tuesday night? Well, I, I'm, I'm hope I'm hoping both for Grimes and Dotson, Quentin and and Devon are both. Very talented guys. They're both McDonald's guys, uh, uh, and and certainly I had a chance to coach Quentin in the under eighteen thing this summer, and and, and uh, you know I definitely know what he's capable of. But but you know a lot of times you know when when you when uh, when you're young, you're kind of sometimes uh, uh, want to fit in, and and that's fine and dandy. But your best players can't just want to fit in. They got to go impact the game and. And so I'm looking to see how those guys can do that. Now, I know we're taping this on the weekend, but just thought I'd ask any update on uh, Sylvia D'Souza for Tuesday night? No, no. Yeah, we we, we, uh, we uh, had an exhibition last night, Andy, and, and uh, there was no change on that status. And so uh, uh, I doubt there will be a change, but I, I don't know that for a fact. I, I, I don't know what the time frame is on on uh, being able to uh, do some things, but, but certainly – I know that, that that we hope it's sooner rather than later, and everybody's ready to go. But but we're also respectful of the fact there's a lot of a lot of balls in the air right now, and and, and certainly uh, uh, respect that, and and uh, have to remain patient. And who has filled those minutes? Well, you know, uh, David McCormick and, and 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 Mitch Lightfoot, basically. You know, uh, so so we got guys. I mean, there's no question uh, uh, about that. They can that can fill the minutes but but uh you know it's it's certainly a presence that's missed because of his athletic ability his strength and you know he's really starting to come into his own a little bit any quick first impressions of what you've seen about michigan state have you had a chance to look you know i've watched i've watched their exhibition game and i thought they played really well and of course defended i mean they they they, they had a team uh, uh down uh, a ridiculous amount early and you know they're obviously the great in transition and obviously they rebound the ball uh, as well as anybody that will play against all year long that's always been the case with Tom's teams and on those two things and, and then they run a lot a lot a lot of actions 
which I have we haven't seen them all obviously from an exhibition game. But looking back at past tapes, uh, uh, I, I, I do believe that that. Uh, you know, we got to be ready to guard a lot of different actions. And, and that's what makes it a little nervous uh, early on. I think every coach would agree with that. You know, if somebody throws something at you that you hadn't been able to prepare for and, and able to exploit you in some way or shape or form, offensively or defensively. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Tom will have something up his sleeve. And, and uh, I just hope we're, we're prepared for it. But I, but I like our guys' attitude. Their mindset's good going into this. And they'll be very excited to play. And, Bill, before I let you go, we've been yearning for a night like this to start college basketball. And obviously the four schools were agreeable to open the night. You said, you know, in the past had been on that Tuesday after the season had opened. What do you think this does for the sport to start – with Michigan State, Kansas, and Duke and Kentucky on the first night of the season? Well, I think the Champions Classic has been uh, uh, terrific for, I, I can speak to us, uh, but I think it's been terrific all the way around, uh, even though it wasn't on the opening night. And, the, you know, the biggest reason it wasn't on opening night, there's no window, there's no television window. Right. It's, it's football season. And, and so so uh, I, I do think it, it enhances it. I do think that there's some additional anticipation uh, about it, I do think it can be a very, very positive thing, and will be a positive thing for our sport. Uh, I also believe that that uh, uh, the quality of play, because of the unknowns, maybe wouldn't be as great as if you had a little bit more time. But 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 certainly, we're only talking about a few days more time. So I think it'll be. I, I you know I think I think it'll be great. And and the other thing about playing games like this this early is their their learning experience to make to allow your team to be better. You know, I, I think in the in the, the Champions Classic so far, I think we're three and four, and and some of the best years that we've had is when we, you know, we got a, we've been a one seed when we've got hammered in this thing, and and maybe didn't have as good a years when whenever we won a, the game early. So I, I I really think that it's it's a great teaching moment for everybody, and and it'll, it'll give everybody a chance to know where their team is, and then in addition to that, it gives, you know fans of college basketball a chance to see something that'll be definitely be showcased uh, like it probably never has been before. Thanks, Bill. I'll see you Tuesday. Okay, bud. See you, Andy. And up next here on March Madness 365, Missouri's Conzo Martin and I discuss the injury to Jonte Porter. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Missouri head coach Conzo Martin. Uh, Conzo, Jonte Porter, we talked at SEC Media Day, and you were understandably raving about him and his impact. And then, unbelievably, like days later, he's out for the season. Um, help me put in perspective, you know, what that was like when you, you know, go from watching him every day in practice and seeing the impact he can have to then that kind of crushing news that you know he can't play for you this season? Well, it was tough. One one for Jonte, first and foremost, a talented player. And obviously did a great job between April and up until this point in working on his game, his skill. I mean, at 6'11", 240, 245 pounds, his ability to make plays off the dribble. Ran a lot of stuff we did through him because he, at his size, he can make great decisions with the basketball. He can score. He can shoot it off the dribble. He posted up very well. Shot the three ball. We ran him off a lot of screens because he's very mobile for his size. He did a lot of things. So I, I think it was tough just to – I don't think the world didn't have a chance to see him showcase everything. because you, you got glimpses of it last year. And, and what he didn't get last year was those eight weeks in the summertime. So – the growth and the things he had to learn because he was very intelligent. He was able to make adjustments, but you know, that weight room and understanding what we're trying to do, the love we're trying to do that 
now you fast forward up to this point, uh, and, and I think for the world, the country, so to speak, not to see what he was doing was uh, um, heartbreaking for me as a coach and for him just because he put so much time into it. But I think our team is a part of it. I mean, NCAA allows you 13 scholarships. You have to make best of it, but you, you can't replace a guy of that caliber overnight. How's he handling now the reality of you know going through rehab? That's something that he saw his brother you know, having to go through a year ago. Well, I think if there's any uh, difference uh, in both between when Mike went through it and, and John Tate, John Tate's season is over. I mean, so it's understood. So now you don't have to deal with when he's coming back, what's the expectation, how long. So those questions you you, uh, you take away from the whole equation. I think the biggest thing now for John Tate is just uh, preparing for the surgery, mentally understanding the grind that it takes. You're talking about, you know, six, eight, nine, ten months to get back to the level he was at, but even better. And, and he's a very spiritual young man, so he understands what it takes. He's prepared to go through it. But again, unless you've gone through it, it's uh, mentally taxing. So, you know, I don't wouldn't say good news. I mean, the news, though, that this happens early, you now have plenty of time or had plenty of time to deal with the fact that, OK, we're not going to have them. I'm not going to think about multiple seasons with without. This is our team. How did you and your staff have to sort of reset this roster of, as you just said, we were going through him, you know, on the offensive end and he was a rim protector. You know, how have you sort of reset this group? Well, I think when you have Kevin Perry, who's a senior, he's battle-tested, uh, playing a lot of games, pretty much started his whole career. Gerald Martell, another physical player around the rim. Uh, Jordan Geis, a returning guy. We have talented young freshman. Mitchell Smith, a guy that red-shirted for So we have the parts. And again, you don't replace what he brings to the table. just matter. And you say on the surface, every guy has to step up and do more. But that's not necessarily the case because in your preparation as a basketball player, you should be maxing out anyway, whether he was here or not, because you never know when your opportunity presents itself. So it's just a matter of God. Standing. And I always said, you know, in the fun, we'd be careful what you wish for because everybody wants to play. You want big minutes. Well, here's a tremendous opportunity with a guy out. Now you have to step up and be good basketball players, be good teammates. But the other thing I always say, we, we don't need anybody being a superhero. Just be good basketball players, play as a team and everything will fall in line. But again, have to be able to score the ball. We got talented young guys. Older guys kind of have to carry us through as those young guys make the college adjustments. Uh, but I think we'll be fine. What was that first meeting like when you got the group together and said, look, Chante's not going to be here the rest of the season in terms of playing on the court. Here's what I need each one of you to do. I mean, how, how did you handle that adverse situation with this group in that first meeting? You know, the truth of the matter, even when Mike went down and, and even throughout my career as, as a coach, I've never spent a lot of time when a guy's injured because that was understood. And then what I learned a long time ago, God doesn't give you a lot of details and what's going on. You just have to be faithful and understanding that it all works out. So for me, it's, it's, it was almost as if he was never a part of it because you don't want to dwell on and allow guys to, to mentally get weak. I mean, because it's understood as a teammate down, as a brother down, we all understand that. But let's keep pushing forward because I think what happens as a leader, guys look to you for direction and, and, and they see in your eyes and, and your language and the way you speak as a coach. Are we going to be okay? Whether you say it or not, they can see your body language. They can read you. So for me, we don't. If we keep moving forward, that part is understood. He's down. Let's keep moving forward. We got a chance to be special. Let's not worry about that. But let's step up and do this for you, for yourselves as well as for John Tate. And one last thing on him. I know it's early. Uh, what do you think the chances are that he'll want to return to prove himself even more at Mizzou, uh, and maybe for 
you know, obviously the NBA, uh, rather than, you know, rehab and go straight professionally? Well, again, it's early, and that's something we hadn't even talked about. But I just think, and, and Jonte, Jonte's a sound young man. Obviously, he leans on his family, leans on Christ and making decisions. But I think if Jonte returns to school, he's returned to school because he want to be a college basketball player, want to be a great player, want to be his teammates. But it won't be for anything less than, like, I'm trying to prove something. I don't think he's built like that. I think he understands who he is, and I think that's what makes him special because he doesn't get caught up in the other things. He wants to be a part of this because he wants to be successful. Now, if he rehabs and gets to a point where he's playing great, and hopefully he does, it'll be a blessing if he has that opportunity to make that decision. But I think right now it's just really giving him a peace of mind and say, man, I want to rehab this thing and see how it goes. But no, I think the talks, if you ask him right now, he'd love to return to school. But I mean, for us, it's one day at a time and putting him in the best situation so he can be healthy first. You've got Mark Smith on your roster, uh, transfer from Illinois. You know, it's interesting. Coaches sometimes are on both sides of this. There's too much transferring, but then, you know, it can benefit you. Um, where do you stand on this issue and, uh, you know, on, on Mark Smith's potential impact? Well, where I stand on the issue, uh, when, when the guys have left my program, give them a release wherever they want to go, whether it's in league or not. I've never had a problem with that. Because I think, you know, I always say, yeah, you, you hate to lose a guy uh, for whatever reason. Some probably don't want guys in their program. But what happens is I think these young men, they put themselves in position to earn the scholarship. They earn the right to do that. So if it didn't work out one way or the other, give the young man an opportunity to go where he can be happy. Uh, so, so I've always said that first and foremost, whether it's in your league or not. Now, the other part, the benefit of having you know Mark Smith, a guy that can make shots. And I think his, his ability to make plays and attack the rim last year was evident. I think he's really improved his ability to step out and make shots from the perimeter. And I think he's a great addition to our program and also a need for our program. And one last thing, Conzo. Uh, we were at the SEC Media Day a couple weeks ago. Um, this league, you know, I, I think arguably could be the deepest in the country. You know, last season, it certainly had its breakthrough. What's your sense of how competitive from 1 to 14, you know, this league will be this season? I think it's safe to say it'll, it'll be the best it's ever been in the history of the SEC. Uh, every night will be a tough night. That part is understood. You, we had eight teams in the NCAA tournament last year. I think you're probably looking at nine, ten teams, you know, this year because it's so talented from top to bottom. I think you have, you know, three, maybe four top ten teams, definitely you know, six, maybe top 25 teams without question. But just the talent level, the coaching, uh, you, you can't pinpoint on the calendar and say, I know we can get this win here tonight. I mean, every, every night it will be a fight, and I think that's the beauty of a great league, and I think that's what helps everybody in the end. Conzo, I appreciate it. You've done a great job, obviously, of leading by example, and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, shortly, certainly in December. All right, Andy, thank you for having me. And coming up here on March Madness 365, ESPN College Basketball Analyst Seth Greenberg. We break down the Champions Classic and look ahead to the Armed Forces Classic and a big storyline of an injury out west. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, my good friend, former colleague Seth Greenberg, ESPN National College Basketball Analyst. Uh, Seth, let's first deal with the Champions Classic. We've been waiting in our sport for a long time to get a tip-off night like this. And we've got the ultimate headline, Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas. What are you looking forward to the most? Yeah, two lead games. But aren't I still your colleague? I mean, I mean, I mean yes. I'm a journalism guy, a media guy. I mean, are we colleagues still? I We're mean, still colleagues. Just in different different markets, yes. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this, this will be pretty easy to do. I think I've done this before. Yes. Uh, you know, look, it's a great way to start the season. If you think about it, 
you know, Kansas preseason number one in the country. Kansas, kind of an interesting team in that uh, they've got a good blend of the old and the new. And, uh, you know, when you look at their team, you know, there's going to be no Devontae Graham. There's going to be no Frank Mason. But they've got a Doka Azubuki who's different than anyone else probably in the country in terms of his size, his strength, and his improvement over the last few years. You add to him, with him, Dedrick Lawson, who transferred from Memphis, who was with Kansas last year in practice. And a lot of times Bill Self said he was the best player in the gym. You know, you're talking about a hybrid forward who can rebound the ball, terrific passer, can score it, uh, has a really good feel. He's averaging 24 points a game, I think, in their first two exhibition games. Not that I put a lot of value in that. And then their backcourt. I mean, the backcourt, I think, is going to be interesting. You know Lord Gerald Vick, you know his athleticism. But to me, the interesting thing will be Quentin Grimes, Charlie Moore, and Dotson. I mean, those three guys, you're talking about having to take over for, you know, four years of just terrific guard play. Uh, when I think of guard play, Frank Mason's toughness and, uh, you know, Devontae Graham's ability to defend and, and his improved ability to score. So uh, once again, you're going to see uh, a more four-round one. I think you're going to see uh, a very talented, big athletic team. And we didn't even mention Charlie Moore, who transferred from Cal, was a double-figure scorer. So Michigan State, obviously no Jaron Jackson, no Miles Bridges, but it's Michigan State. Nick Ward in the best shape of his life. I had a chance to watch him practice the other day, uh, playing at a high level, finishing around the basket, running the floor, improved his ability to defend on the perimeter. In ball screen situations, Cassius Winston, who shot over 50% from the three in the Big Ten last year, uh, as good a floor general as there is, must take care of the basketball. That's going to be key. And then they're going to need some consistency. They're going to need consistency out of Matt McQuaid. They're going to need consistency out of Josh Langford. They need to know what they're going to get out of those two guys. There are a couple of new faces that will step up and make plays for them. Aaron Henry, I think he is the X factor. He's a freshman. He's 6'7". He's long. He can shoot it. He's got a great feel for defending. And then, you know, the two-headed monster of Goins and, and Tillman, I think, will bring give them some depth in the front court. So, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. It's going to be a little bit more of the experience of, of Michigan State against the athleticism and then the overall scoring punch of Kansas. Tempo is going to be important. Both teams are going to try to run, but in the half court, uh, will Michigan State be able to stand up Duke as a bookie and then on the other end make him defend? Uh, it's a great first game. You know, in the second game between Duke and Kentucky, uh, you know, I feel like we've gotten to the point where years ago, you know, freshmen on this stage in that kind of moment, we'd be concerned about how they would handle it. But these guys have just played so much that I don't even think about that anymore, about how many freshmen will be on the floor Tuesday night in Indianapolis in a high-profile situation. And, yeah, there'll be normal jitters just because it's the first game. But, I mean, how much do you think we've we've gone past that to where we expect – these high-level freshmen to just perform even on day one. Yeah, and, and you had to remember both of these teams have had international or, or, or trips this summer, uh, Kentucky to the Bahamas, Duke to Canada. Uh, so they got nine extra practices. They got the you know basically the jitters out in a lot of ways because they did play competition with that uniform on, with that brand, with that expectation. And both groups handled it pretty seamlessly. Now, you know, when you think of uh, of this group of players, these guys have traveled all over the world to play it. You know, I mean, you know, obviously this is a big game on a big stage in a great environment in Indianapolis. Uh, 
you know, everyone, it's, it's the two brands that everyone talks about, but you know, it's going to come down to guys making plays. RJ Barrett uh, had a chance to watch him the other day, really can run the floor, hard to keep off the glass, aggressive attack in the basket and shot it. Well, Zion Williamson is just a freak. I mean, he really is. He's part Barkley. He's uh, physically strong. He's nimble. He's got great hands. He's um, skilled, uh, great second bounce. Both of those guys in transition are something to watch. Cam Reddish is a guy who, you know, everyone talks about his versatility and talks about him being a backup point guard. I think he's got to, uh, he does have a good skill level. He can shoot it, but I wouldn't call him a great shooter. I think the key to their team is Trey Jones. Uh the fourth freshman, the one that people don't talk about much. Uh, Tyus Jones's uh, little brother, he makes the thing go. Uh, you don't have to run a play for him. He's not chasing shots. He's a committed defender on the ball, which is what they didn't have last year. Uh, and he understands where the ball needs to go to, when it needs to get there. I think the one interesting guy is going to be Marquise Bolden. Could he be Brian Zubek? Because I think if he's Brian Zubek, then Duke is really good. Defend, protect the rim, rebound the ball, be a good screener. Uh, I think if Bolden's not able to go, the Laurier will you know, obviously be the guy, and they'll play a little smaller, and they'll have a lot more versatility in their defense. Uh, but the speed in which Duke can score it is really impressive. They do need to shoot it. Now, Kentucky, and I think Kentucky, I've, I've spent three day, uh, four days with them in the Bahamas. I think competitive, toughness, with a mix of experience, I think they shoot it better and they've got versatility. Having P.J. Washington and Nick Richards and Quadia Green would have been a great group of players to have returning. When you added to it Reed Travis, you know, who's basically a double-double machine, who looks more and more comfortable every time I watch him, uh, you know, he makes a difference. You're talking about four returning players. Nick Richards looks like he's yeah, that's not the norm more confident. That's at, it's totally, you know, it's almost out of sorts for them. Uh, and Nick Richards looks more confident, uh, and P.J. Washington just looks good. Now, they're not without great freshmen. I'm not sure they have the the headlines of a Barrett or Williamson, but, you know, just Ashton Hagens. When I think of him, I think of an elite on-ball defender. Doesn't defend, he disrupts. I think of E.J. Montgomery. Uh, Torian Prince comes to mind, but he's uh, – Really skilled, can step out and shoot, very good passer, good feel. Will he stick his nose in there and, and fight back? Probably be a question. Tyler Hero, the Rex Chapman, you know, comparisons are, are real in that uh, he can really shoot it. He's got good bounce, good feel. Uh, and then Kelvin Johnson, I think one of the better perimeter defenders, physical perimeter defenders in the country, maybe. Uh, so they've got, you know, a plethora of young players that are going to contribute. Uh, but the old premise, Andy, that you know they have nowhere to go to down the stretch. Yes, they do. They'll go to matchups. Mm-hmm. They'll attack the matchups to, to their advantage, and they're going to go to Reed Travis on the block. Some I would think, because he can. He's a terrific free throw shooter, and he can get to the line. You know, later in the week, you're going to be down in uh, South Texas at Fort Bliss for the Armed Forces Classic. It's one, it was one of my favorite assignments at ESPN for years. Traveling the globe from Germany to Japan to Korea to Hawaii. Uh, this time it's stateside, Texas and Arkansas. You had a chance to go down in advance, uh, obviously, to see uh, how the soldiers live and train on the court. This Texas, Arkansas. Arkansas has got Daniel Gafford, 
but not a lot else. Uh, now, I saw Mike Anderson, as you did down at the SEC Media Day. He's still confident that they can play the way he wants to play, but it's a young group. This Texas group, um, you know, with Kerwin Roach and Matt Coleman and Dylan Ostentowski, they've got some veteran guys, too. What are you expecting in that matchup? Yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting game, uh, to be honest with you. I think that, uh, you know, Arkansas is going to be better than people perceive them to be because Gafford is an elite low-post scorer. I mean, he scored 400 points at 200 rebounds and 70 blocks last year, but and he's improved significantly. Andrew Bailey is obviously going to give him some experience. But we got Jalen Harris who sat out last year from New Mexico, who is an experienced big point guard. And I'll tell you, some of their freshmen, I, I watched some tape on it the other day, Reggie Cherry, and Isaiah Joe. Reggie Cherry, quick, aggressive, explosive. Uh, and Isaiah Joe, just flat out a typical Mike Anderson type team. He can really, really shoot the basketball. I mean, just really shoot it. So, you know, it comes down to style of play. You know, Texas has been a team that at times has struggled taking care of the ball. I think they'll be better with that. They're, you know, Dylan Oskowski's lost 30 pounds, 30 pounds. He's changed his whole diet. He cut his, his hair. He looks more like me than like you now. Uh, but, you know, he gives him a big skilled player up front, which is important. Jericho Sims has the potential to have – uh, a breakout year. Uh, the Jackson Hayes kid, uh, that, that's the freshman front court player. Uh, the you know Shaka Smarty raves about him, but it's going to come down to look. Kerwin Roche making good decisions. Matt Coleman continuing to improve. He's got to shoot the ball better from the point position. Only shot twenty eight percent from the three last year. Courtney Ramey, a freshman, will help in that area a little bit. Ramey will give him some good backup point guard minutes. And then who knows the emotional lift, uh, even though he broke uh, his foot the other day, eventually they're going to get Andrew Jones back. And that to me is one of the best stories in college basketball. Yes, no question. I mean, I mean, think about where he was a year ago. I remember doing their Alabama game in Birmingham uh, and the battle of uh, talking to Shaka Smart said they, they didn't know if they, he was going to make it. And the resiliency of this young man that's the good about college basketball. You know, we hear, we've heard a lot of the bad, but the great thing about it, Andy, the games are about to begin. And when the games begin, they never disappoint. One last thing, Seth, before I let you go, there's one other headline issue. Killian Tilly out for up to eight weeks. I actually talked to Mark Few over the weekend, and, you know, the schedule, they were going to play this kind of schedule anyway, but, you know, he says, of course, you know, this was with Tilly on, on board. But they do have a lot of talent, uh, and they're really impressed with Brandon Clark, uh, Gino Crandall. They're two newcomers that are going to play a lot. Uh, Corey Kispert, Kispert's going to play even more now without Tilly. Um, they've got, you know, obviously Rui Hachimura, Zach Norville, and Josh Perkins, the veteran guard. What, what Mark did tell me is where they'll miss Tilly the most will be, you know, as a rim protector. Um, getting through this gauntlet, because he will be back. Uh, how do you see the Zags sort of handling Maui and Carolina and Tennessee, Washington, some of these games that they're going to have to deal with without Killian Tilly? Yeah, Killian Tilly's a key piece. Look, he's got size, athleticism, he can shoot it, and like you said, he can protect the rim. Brandon Clark is a really good player. Uh, transfers to San Jose State, uh, really bouncy, really competitive, uh, can score around the rim. You don't have to run a ton for him, but he's going to find a way to score. The Crandall kid is it was huge because one it's insurance policy. I like Josh Perkins, but you need you need, sometimes you need someone behind a player to hold that player accountable. That's exactly also, what he said. Yeah, and I think that's what I think that's what Crandall does 
uh, for Gonzaga. Uh, I love Norville and I love uh, and uh, Kispert. I think both of those guys are going to be good players. Yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. Hashimura is going to have to stay out of foul trouble. That's going to be the key. Uh, if Hashimura can stay out of foul trouble, then I, I, I've lost my uh, train of thought. But uh, they have a, a big freshman or sophomore uh international kid who uh, Tom Izzo told me was absolutely terrific. Yeah, in their scrimmage against them. Yeah, in their scrimmage. So, you know, look, Gonzaga is going to be well coached. They're going to defend. They're going to take care of the basketball. Having Crandall's a huge addition. Having Clark, who has experience underneath his belt, is absolutely huge. Uh, they won't be the same team, but they're still going to be an elite team. That's minus a 6'11 guy that can step out and shoot threes and protect the rim, which, you know, if anyone loses a player like that, you know, it's going to impact your team significantly, but uh, they've got enough there. They've got enough experience and they've got enough, uh, I guess you could say moxie in terms of how they play that. I think they'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I would just say they may lose a couple more games than they wouldn't, than they may not have. But I think in the long term, when Tilly comes back, they're still going to be a title contender. Yeah. And it'll be interesting how they're seated yeah. because they'll have a couple more losses. Right. And how do you evaluate them? And, you know, with the new formulas that are coming out, uh, which takes margin of loss into consideration, which I don't think really makes a lot of sense. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Look, we're in for a great year of college basketball. The SEC is as good as it's ever been. I like the depth of the Big 12. Uh, I think you, you're seeing, you know, Indiana has a chance to have a bounce back with you know, Langford and Juwan Morgan and, and Green at the point. Uh, you know, they got the, uh, the Fitzner kid who transferred from St. Mary's, which is obviously huge for Indiana and devastating for St. Mary's. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Big Ten is going to be interesting. Well, they also have the you know potentially the player of the year in Carson Edwards and a guy that, that needs to step up in Middle Eastern. Uh, you just go around the country and, uh, you know, you've got good storylines. You know, the SEC storyline coming back, you know, from where they were. You know, the Pac-12, uh, you know, UCLA, now they're a little bit more whole getting those two players that were suspended last year back. Cody Riley, who is a terrific player. You know, Wilkes, who has a chance to, if he shoots it better, to be really phenomenal. Uh, the job that Mike Mike Hopkins has done at Washington and then seeing how they will be. And then, then you know, the ACC. I mean, Syracuse has a chance to be really, really good. Uh don't count out North Carolina. I saw them play the other day. Kobe White. Uh, and let's not dismiss Virginia. And and Virginia's Virginia. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, you know, let's face it. I mean, and, and you know, I don't mind learning a lesson from that, Andy. But you know, Virginia. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter changes him. Uh, right, he didn't play in that game. He didn't play in that game, and uh, and they have Braxton, you know, Braxton Key. And then Braxton Keys is going to be a good compliment. You yes. know, everyone overreacts. Oh, you know, the word. No, the word is, you know, he is who he is. He could be an eight point four rebound guy that gives him a little versatility in their front court, which is important. But Mama Dudikite is the key. I mean, if he continues to improve, now they got a 6'10 guy that can block shots, can run, who can defend multiple positions. If he can give him a little offense. That will be a huge boost. For Virginia, Virginia Tech could be good. Now, obviously, Chris Clark got suspended the other day, and he's taken off the roster. That's a, uh, a significant concern. But they've got Justin Robinson, who's really, really good. Uh, and you know they're going to shoot the ball. You know, they play with really good spacing. So, you know, it's going to be an exciting year of college basketball. You got, you know, you got you know, a team like Nevada who, you know, 
everyone's talking about it. Everyone's top 10. Here's my concern with Nevada right now. Uh, if you, you know, if we get there is that they, they've played small forever and they're good playing small with Caleb and Cody Martin and Jordan Caroline. Now you add the bigs. And when you add the bigs, it changes your dynamic offensively, defensively, your versatility offensively, defensively. So as good as Eric Russellman is, that's going to be his challenge. Appreciate it, Seth. Thank you. Like old times. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can find our podcast wherever you find the Turner Podcast Network and all our March Madness social media platforms on NCAA.com. Thanks for listening.